we'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Well, welcome everyone. I hope everyone had a great day today. It's been a very busy day. Today we've had a lot of developments happen in regards to this caravan uh, that was miles and miles away and suddenly it's at our border. From what I realize, some members of this caravan have actually appeared in San Diego climbing borders, going through holes, crawling... Obviously, some of them returning back when they see Border Patrol. General Mattis today, earlier today, flew down to the border to show the support. I'll play a little clip of what he said aboard the aircraft to the press. Just take a listen. The sound's a little bit off because he's in an aircraft. But let's just um, take a listen to what he says. One of the caravans overran the border checkpoint between uh, Guatemala and the Mexican border and clashed with Mexican police. I think some of you have probably seen the, uh, the New York Times article from October 19th uh, about the, uh, the wounded uh, police officers in Mexico at that time. Uh, so today, where are we at? Uh, the Department of Homeland Security remains in the lead. <coughs> uh, NORTHCOM, U.S. Northern Command under General Shaughnessy, is in support of DHS and the Customs and Border Police law enforcement efforts. We are providing planning and engineering support, equipment, transportation support, and temporary housing for Customs and Border Patrol personnel and their medical teams. Uh, I think we also have medical teams on the border supplementing the Border Patrol's medical teams. All right. Some, so what, what he basically said was that they sent troops to the border. He also made mention of how the caravan, uh, it was actually a very solid 20-minute interview that he gave with a lot of information. So basically, this caravan at the border in, in Guatemala, the border, Guatemala, Mexico, they clashed with the police. And while traveling toward the U.S. border, they've been doing the same. These are not peaceful migrants. And, you know, just to repeat something that Acosta said. He said, these are peaceful migrants that are coming and it's not an invasion. It is an invasion. When you already know for weeks as you're coming up that some country will not allow you to come in. And with violence and creating destruction in your path, you arrive at the border why would you think that that country will suddenly change heart? So there's another little clip that I want to play just to um, so you guys can understand just how big this operation is. Because the mainstream media is really playing down 
the size of the caravan and exactly what's going on. It's a little bit noisy because the person that recorded this uh, interview between the general and an officer there, you know, it's windy. You'll hear what they are doing. And that'll probably allow you to see exactly what's going on. I mean, if it was only like a thousand people, would they really send the troops? Would they have to lay out gravel for roads? Would they be building roads? Would they be building transportation units? Would they be building medical facilities and a camp? It's not what the mainstream media is telling you. This is huge, and it's an invasion. And it's very unfortunate that people don't do their homework. I mean, simple logic will tell you, why are we setting up camp if there's just a few people there? Well, let me play that clip where he's having banter with this officer so you can understand what they've been doing. We're going to be here, and once we figure that out, then we'll... Oh, right, so right, now, right now, we're trying to get that stabilized base down so we can put the gravel on top yeah. of it. Very so, good. Yes, yeah, Very good. So what were you doing when you got the call to come down here? We're, we're planning a, a field training exercise. So we're about to go on a field training we exercise. We just gave you the best field training. You gave us the best field training possible, sir. Yes, you did. Oh, boy, so we're, we're getting ready to move out, and then we got the call, and we had to change gears and get, get going, sir. That's good training. Yes, it is. And who, who are uh, you? I know you've been around. Wow. 19th engineers oh, yeah. now. And, uh, I know you're sitting oh, sick here. Very yes, good. So uh, troops, how are they responding to it? Very well. Uh, yeah. Very well, sir. What a great training. It really is. Yeah. Really is. Again, this is one we of the could first not times. have had a better training than, than, than something like this. But they've actually got to go and do it. they got to stay environmentally sound. they got to make sure it works. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, they're doing great. Very good. Very good. So just, um, just to, uh, in case it didn't, the sound didn't come through, just so you understand, the officer representing the units there said, we're laying out the roads, we're trying to make sure that it's smooth so we can get the gravel, we're just going to wait for the gravel. He said, all right, well, while I'm here, let's make sure you get that. And he said, what were you doing before you got called down to the border? He said, we were going to get ready to go for a training exercise. These are the engineers. These are the people that build bridges, that build roads, that put up fences, that create camps during wartime. This was the best training, just like he said, because they have to make sure that it's correctly put together, environmentally sound, that it's efficient and effective. So at this point... If you people are understanding what I'm telling you, they are setting up a literal military camp. They are building roads. And further down during this interview, he says, yeah, so we'll be ready to put up, you know, walls and fences really quick. So next time you're watching the mainstream media tell you about these peaceful migrants and how they're just looking for asylum think why are we sending so many troops down there why are we establishing roads with gravel down there why are we building facilities there because there's a lot of them there's not a hundred not 500 we're talking thousands and there were some clips that were shown 
as they were traveling through Central America to show just how many of them there were and the destruction that they left in the path they were taking. This is invasion. Mathematically, it's an invasion. Their actions are that of an invasion. So Jim Acosta was pandering to all of us, to our feelings, to make us feel as if we're bad for saying that they're invading us, but they are. They're coming in the tens of thousands, and we are building a base. That has to say something. It's not like we're going to send a missile to kill a fly. So it's important that people understand uh, just how important this is and how big it is. Let me just play the clip a little bit more so you guys can hear what's going on. I like the little hoorah that he threw there. But he was explaining to uh, Secretary Nielsen uh, exactly what they were doing and how they were doing it. Again, we have a full force of our military down there to support ICE. This isn't just a, I would say, uh, you know, a group of people that um, on a daily basis penetrate our borders. This is an invasion. I mean, you know, I, I'd like to discuss this whole um, Jim Acosta lawsuit. I actually made mention of it before it hit the news. My sources told me they were filing it. From what I'm seeing on social media, Fox News is supporting Jim Acosta. Here's the thing. I don't like him. I don't like his face either. But we always have to be neutral and we have to be objective because if we're not objective to a situation, then we're no better than the left. No better than those people that just, you know, repeat and regurgitate whatever they're being told. So examining it, the, the thing is, having a White House press pass is a privilege. It's not a given. Pretty sure if CNN puts another press, uh, you know, sends up another journalist, they'll get a press pass, a White House press pass. Jim Acosta is just not allowed. Why? His behavior uh, speaking of behavior, um, hopefully before the break, I can actually play the clip where um, President Trump announced uh, the First Step Act. And you can hear at the end of his speech how they were just shouting out questions that had nothing to do with what he announced, okay? Nothing to do with what he announced. They were asking questions about the caravan 
and uh, as well as how he stated that people were changing disguises in cars to go vote. That's not what he was discussing. He was discussing the First Step Act and why it's so important. This is the problem with the press corps at the White House. They don't stay on topic. There's going to be a time where you sit and direct the questions at the president. You just don't bark them out at the random time. Like how many times have we seen Jim Acosta when President Trump is um, having a joint, you know, press conference with, I don't know, Prime Minister Abe or anyone else from another country and they don't even ask about, hey, what are the relations, you know, that we're going to have with Japan? Or did you guys sort out any trade deal? Like, uh, what are you looking at about currency, blah, 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 anything? Nope. They'll turn around and say, what about the Mueller investigation? Okay, so Japan's prime minister is just standing there like, I can't answer anything of that because obviously nobody cares that we met. This is the problem. But the press is not doing their job. They're not paying attention to the facts. They just want to be the story. They're not the story. The facts are the story. What's going on is the story. And this is what's going on with the caravan. Not the story that they're peddling. But the actual story that they are trying to invade us. And you know, this invasion would be great for the Democrats because then they'd have more voters, right, for 2020. It's all about 2020. Speaking of 2020, after the break, I want to talk about a candidate that's running for 2020 on the Dem ticket. Uh, he's not that big, but, uh, you know, I do my homework on everyone. He said a lot of things that were a little weird, but he also said things that were 100% on point, but he's about 50 years too early. We'll discuss it. Uh, his name's Yang. Um, he's 43 years old. NBC or CBS or both of them did a piece on him. We'll talk about that after the break. So, okay, so Jim Acosta is saying that um, he needs to be he needs to be coming uh, to the actual um, White House, and that uh, it's wrong that President Trump has banned him, and it's all about President Trump. And the thing is, his behavior is the problem. The way he asks questions is the problem. The way he responds to things is the problem. He's not acting like a journalist. He's not asking a question. He's demanding that his opinion be correct. And then he's speaking to President Trump. Remember, this is the President of the United States. This is our leader. How does it look to the rest of the world when you have Jim Acosta arguing and making our president furious? How does it look when the journalists, instead of asking questions, are probing their thought or their commentary? It, it's embarrassing. I mean, the rest of the world, you know, I have family and friends globally and they tell me, geez, the press there is really not press anymore, is it? It's so embarrassing to see how they speak to the president. It's ridiculous. And the fact that Fox News would take a position on that is beside me. Completely. I don't see, you know, why they would even stick their noses in it. Were they forced to? Maybe. 
But that's great because alternative outlets like Red State Talk Radio, like Big League Politics, like Gateway Pundit, like Breitbart, those that aren't really, really, really mainstream are the ones that people are going to go to for the news because we actually ask questions. Real questions, questions that everybody thinks about, questions that people want to know the answer to. We don't sit there and say, well, it's my opinion, this, 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 so what about this? No, we just say, hey, this happened, what's your comment? That's what journalists are supposed to do. So, yeah, that was pretty busy today having, um, you know, General Mattis go down there himself. That's a big deal. And I don't think a lot of people realize just what a big deal that is. So let's talk about uh, the first act. Uh, Hopefully the White House will have uploaded the video because it's still saying it's live. So the First Step Act is um, a bipartisan bill. It's basically to help people that have made mistakes in the past and have done their time be able to integrate into society because the problem that we have is say you're 18, you're running with the wrong crowd, you're super broke, you do something wrong. It doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad person. It just means that you made a bad judgment call at that time. And to be honest with you, there's a lot more innocent people than there are criminals in prison. We all know how that works. But um, this is to help them integrate So if some person has been incarcerated for 10 years, it's going to be really hard for them to come out to society. Imagine if someone was locked up in 1999. When they went in, there was still Blockbuster. Cell phones were flippy phones. Cameras on phones were like, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. Laptops were heavy. And he comes out today in 2018, let's say 18 years ago. It could have been even 10 years ago. They would not be able to function. They wouldn't know how to use uh, the cell phones today. They wouldn't know how to use tablets. They wouldn't be able to work. I mean, say someone was, I don't know, training to be a typist. I'm just saying. You know, they wouldn't know how to function. They wouldn't even know how to use phones anymore or what Twitter means or social media. So this is what this whole act is supposed to do. It's supposed to get these people ready to come back into society and integrate. Obviously, close eye on them, but they should be able to get a job. They should be able to, you know, get back to work and just put that bad period behind them. I mean, that makes sense, right? It really does make sense. You've made a mistake. You got caught with, you know, I don't know, pot when you were 22 in college and you got five years for it. Yeah, because some states will give you that much for marijuana. Hence why they don't want these, um, you know, legalizing marijuana laws because then the prisons will empty and there's no cheap labor anymore. So you want to put that behind you. You want to say, I did my time. I was a good prisoner. Um... But when I go back, how am I going to learn? I used to be a crane operator. Now cranes work differently. I don't know. Whatever it is. This is a great bill. So moving through the Senate, hopefully the House takes on. You know, this is, I think this is great. I think this will help people 
that we're just caught up in bad situations, uh, you know, move forward. But yesterday I was watching TV because I really love my sitcoms and I like the show called Bull only because he uses Saigonomy, which I really, really, uh, j'adore. I use it myself. Apparently, you know, in college, you're not really allowed to study Saigonomy because it's considered discriminatory because based on people's facial features, their micro expressions, and, you know, just in general, how they look physically, you can conclude what kind of people they are. So it's, um, it's a very taboo way, but he's a psychologist, whatever. Anyway, so there was this guy, he was in a Black Friday line in, in the sitcom and, you know, some drunk guys, uh, crossed in front of him and his wife said, Hey, you know, I've been waiting out here, you know, you need to go to the back of the line. And they started to say something. So one of these four dudes knocked him out, punched him. So they started fighting. So it's four against one. Police officer comes over and sees one of the four guys on the floor saying, hey, that guy pushed me. He was like, so it was four guys, the four guys that were attacking him against this one. And he goes to court. He's like, listen, man, it's it, it's Friday. I got to go to work on Monday. Yeah, you need bail because, you know, when you were a kid, this is what the DA said. Since you were a kid and you had like drinking and whatnot problems when you were 16, 17 as a juvie. You're a flight risk. Pay $5,000 bond. He's like, I don't have it. I'm like barely making ends meet. I'm separated with my wife. I got to go to work. Well, then you have to wait for the judge or you could just plead to the misdemeanor and pay $75. Fast forward two days later, they come and arrest him because apparently the guy that fell down during that squabble died from a brain injury. So guess what? He was up on the chopping block for manslaughter. How many people across the United States have been in that same situation? Tons. It's all about circumstances, wanting to go home, just whatever. It's a misdemeanor. Who cares? Let me just pay the fine and go. And then it can come back and bite you just like it did this guy. I really am a person that believes that our system works, that it should work, that our politicians should work for us, that the judicial system should work for us, but it's really not like that, is it? And I know that President Trump is trying to rectify that and remedy that, but it's really, really hard. Kind of like he said in his speech, he said, you know, some people get 20 years and the other guy will get two years for the same offense. I mean, that's not fair. That's the thing. Our systems have failed and they're all about money. Kind of circling back to what I said about adoption. You've got children that are in the hands of the state that are being bounced from house to house. And instead of making adoption affordable, instead of streamlining the process, because now with technology, you can instantly find out who is who. If you see a couple that has had kids already and they've not been in trouble and they're great, you shouldn't have to wait seven years. They shouldn't have to pay $75,000. In court, that guy, for instance, shouldn't have had to plead guilty for a squabble while the other guys walked because they had a private attorney and he had a public defender. 
Do you know how many people are stuck in that situation? I've been in a situation where if I was like arrested and was in his position while I was going through graduate school with two kids and, you know, very little money because medical school costs a fortune, I probably would have pled if I was him just to go home because I don't have the $5,000 to put up so my kids aren't home alone. This isn't the way the system is supposed to work. And I think this is a great step. The First Step Act is a great step to at least make amends for the people that have been in that situation and are coming out or the actual people that have done wrong and have been reformed. Because you can't reform someone if you're going to stick them somewhere for 10 years and they've been told when to sleep, when to eat, when to walk, when to work out, when to go to the bathroom. And then you release them to society. They won't know what to do. They won't be able to prioritize because they've been conditioned to follow orders because they had to. So this first step back, I'm really excited about it. And I kind of saw um, Pastor Scott in the background smiling because I know he played a big part in it. He was a very um, uh, proud, loud advocate about it. So I, I was pretty happy for him. I could see it in his face how happy and proud he was. This is something as Americans we should be very proud of, that we're looking after the people and giving them a second chance because everybody, just like President Trump said, deserves a second chance. People break the law for numerous reasons. Whatever they may be, they're not really reasons you broke the law in the story, but I'm not going to get into that. Well, after the break, we'll talk about 2020. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855 855-700-2978. 855-700-2978. 855-700-2978. 855-700-2978. 855-700-2978. 855-700-2978. 855-700-2978. 855-700-2978. 855-700-2978. 855-700-2978. 855-700-2978. 855-700-2978. 855-700-
Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code REDSTATE. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Hi, I should make mention the phone lines are open. I think I fixed the issue because I know um, I was people were trying to get in and you know technology. This this is something that we're going to revisit now when I play Yang's clip. Um, if you want to call in, you could dial in at two one five Top Talk. That's two one five eight six seven eight two five five. So let me get this advertisement of Andrew Yang who's uh, running for president 2020. Uh, He's the guy that's saying that he's going to give everyone $1,000 as like universal income. Okay. So I'm going to start that clip right now for you guys to hear it. We are experiencing the greatest technological and economic shift in human history. We need a way to help millions of Americans transition through this period. And a universal basic income is the best and most efficient way to do that. Hello, I'm Andrew Yang, and I'm running for president as a Democrat in 2020. I believe I have the right vision, priorities, and values to improve the lives of millions of Americans. Seven years ago, I started Venture for America to train hundreds of young entrepreneurs to build businesses in Detroit, Cleveland, Baltimore, and other communities across the country. Together, we helped create thousands of jobs. But during this time, I came to realize that technology has already wiped out 4 million manufacturing jobs in Ohio, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and other states. And it's about to do the same thing to people who work in retail, food service and food prep, customer service, transportation, as well as industries like insurance, accounting, medicine, and law. I saw so much over the last number of years traveling this country. What I experienced was an eye-opener to me, where I would walk through abandoned neighborhoods and boarded-up businesses. I have two young boys, and I'm deeply concerned about the future that they're going to grow up in. If we don't change things dramatically, they're going to grow up in a country with fewer and fewer opportunities and a handful of companies and individuals reaping the gains from new technologies while the rest of us struggle to find opportunities and eventually lose our jobs. And it doesn't need to be that way. Under my plan, every American adult will receive $1,000 a month, free and clear, paid for by a new tax on the companies that are benefiting most from automation. If we provide a universal basic income, 
Americans will be able to go back to school, move for a new opportunity, start their own business, and really have their head up as they plan for the future. With your help, we can make universal basic income a reality. Join us and let's build a new kind of economy, one that puts people first. All right, so his slogan is humanity first and his hashtag is one for humanity. Now what he's saying, um, and obviously the visuals help, um, he's showing how, you know, at McDonald's now you can go onto screen and order your burger, which I actually prefer because I didn't even know that you can actually put avocado on your burger and you can actually select that on the panel. Not speaking to the person, you know, who's trying to figure out the buttons and they usually just get something simple like no pickle wrong. So, okay, so basically what he is, ex uh, what he's explaining is a problem that's going to hit us in about 50 years if we don't change something. That's number one. So he's way ahead of it, you know. He's saying that he's going to tax companies that are using automated services. So McDonald's, who is now phasing out their employees and other fast food chains, uh, you know, tell, you know, at the till, um, and they're phasing them out because they cost too much. They're demanding $15 to push buttons and take money. And, you know, on one hand, they're like, well, we need a livable wage, on the other hand, you're kind of like, well, this is a job for someone that doesn't have an education or can't perform in society or is young. These are like kid jobs. That's what one would think. Kids that would just like extra money. And then you'd say, well, there's this woman who divorced and she's a single parent and that's the only job she can have. And that is wrong. You know, our labor department has some amazing programs for people that actually want to get to work. You, at any age and they will pay you money while you sit and study they will train you for jobs that are actual jobs with benefits either working for the government or a private company uh, to do a job that you are capable of doing even if you lack the education so for someone to give the excuse that this is the only job I can get I'm calling BS on that because it is now, college isn't for everyone, so what Yang is assuming is that if people get paid $1,000 a month, that that'll help them go back to college. That's the problem for this whole thing that he's putting out. He's very smart. He's playing on the fears of people, of technology, robots, and AI taking over. But it's reality. Yes, we will have robots now starting to... Um, make more parts of our cars, uh, meat packing, you know, whatever. And even in surgery, we're using robots more than we are humans or robot assisted surgeries, let's say not totally automated yet. So what he's doing right now, the way he's running is playing on our fears that this is going to happen, that we're not going to be able to get jobs. We're going to have robots and artificial intelligence do everything. Well, you know, let's let's put it this way. If we have a factory that is a meatpacking plant, okay, and it has 4,000 employees today, in 20 years, right, in 20, when we actually have the technology to replace people, those employees will go down to 1,000. That's correct. I mean, it would make sense. Robots don't need health insurance. They're more efficient. They can churn out more packages, whatever. 
but we still need those thousand employees to code, to quality control, to fix the machines. So what do we have to do? What Yang has done is actually put forward a problem that we need to start tackling today with our youth because we're not. Like I said, our school systems are churning out people that are useless. There was a, there was a video that I saw. Someone was asking someone, you know, what they, you know, hey, I saw you went to Tufts. And she's like, yeah, I got a degree in French philosophy. What's your job? I'm a barista. That's the thing. How many people right now have degrees in useless topics and don't have any life skills? I'm circling back to that. Tons. They have like new degrees for for things that you think, well, why do you need a degree in that? A degree in feminism or a degree in gender studies. I mean, where are you going to use that? How are you a productive citizen of society? Like universities should be like... Their funding should be pulled for giving people stupid degrees. You know, if you want to focus on gender studies, then go get yourself a sociology degree. And then focus your graduate studies if you actually want to be a doctorate or a professor or someone with a specialty in gender studies. That makes sense. Getting a bachelor's degree in gender studies for what? To tell people that they have, what, gender dysphoria? What is it? That your degree will help contribute. So you get this degree and you feel entitled to a job that you don't want to do. Because I see this every single day as a consumer. As a consumer, simple things like calling my cell phone company. I tell them I have XYZ problem. And then I actually have to walk them through to what they have to do. Like, you're supposed to be the specialist. You're supposed to be trained. Why do I have to do your job for you? It's because the people that are usually doing jobs in customer service don't really want to do customer service because they're entitled to something better because they got, you know, a 4.0 with a degree in gender studies. Yet they contribute zero to society. Zero. That's the problem. We need to reform our education. And I'm really hoping in 2020 that Trump does address this. That way we can avoid the macabre, you know, future that um, Yang put forward. That there's going to be less jobs that we have today available then because of technology, which is true. But we're going to have new jobs created. For every robot you put out there, you need three dudes to troubleshoot, to fix, to repair. You'll need engineers, electricians, and coders. So there's going to be new jobs created for the ones that are killed. But the problem is, will we have the people to fill in those jobs? And the way our education system is going, I don't think so. Our public education is horrific. Students are all given the idea that they're going to finish high school and they're going to go to college. College isn't for everyone. Why aren't we teaching kids how to code in junior high and high school? Why? I mean, they were teaching us how to type, weren't they? I remember when I was a kid, they were teaching us how to type. Thank goodness they did. Because when computers came around, you know, and they were more, I mean, I had my first computer when I was eight. But I'm saying... When computers were more an integral part, I had that skill because I could type because I took a typing class because that was a great 
thing that the education system did back in the late 80s, which is what? Instill tools that you will be using and that you will need to use. And that's what's important. So the important thing that we have to realize is that if we don't have people that we can um, put together to actually function and be part of a society, you know, this is the problem that we're going to have. We're going to have this issue. We're going to have people unable to meet quotas. We're going to have new jobs created that we can't fill. This is where it's at. And it's very important for people to understand that when this Yang guy starts to gain traction, you will see all the useless people go for it. Like I've seen some responses on Twitter. The stupidest one was, yeah, Alaska does something like that. They pay their citizens something. Yeah, they pay them part of their like mineral, you know, it's something about the land and the minerals and the way they have it. That's why they get paid. They don't just get paid to sit around. It's because they're residents of that state and they deserve a cut. I mean, why doesn't North Dakota do it? I mean, we pump out a lot. You know, that's something maybe I should bring up with my local legislators. So this guy wants to give out a thousand dollars to everyone for absolute, for doing absolutely nothing thinking that people are going to go back to school, which they're not, you know, and saying no strings attached. You'll just get a thousand dollars a month just to exist. And that'll help you get the tools to be able to fill these jobs that of the future, which he didn't mention need to, we need to start to do the work now. Kind of like what president Trump said about the military. The military is so depleted that all the money that he's pouring into it right now doesn't matter. We're not going to see the effects of that for at least seven years, seven to eight years. Because that's how long it'll take to take those new soldiers and train them correctly. Because right now, they're so, I would say, our soldiers today have been, oh, I don't want to dog all of them, but a lot of them are so focused on feelings and questioning why things need to be done. This is the problem because we've had to cut so many corners that we don't follow protocol anymore in our armed forces. If, if, if you're told that you have to put one sheet in three different folders, you should do it. But the thing is, nobody wants to do it when the person that used to put those paper in the folders no longer there because they had cutbacks. So that means you have to do extra work. that's what I'm saying. They've been cutting corners and they're comfortable like that. And that's why I said, whatever money he pours in into training and growing our military, we won't see those effects for at least seven years because the military spending and military growth has began being curtailed during the Clinton administration. So it was done slowly and slowly. And then Obama just gave it the final blow. So this is kind of where we're going with jobs and with the economy. A lot of people hate me for saying this, but in 2019, I believe that we're going to see a huge dip in the market. Q1 is going to come in and there's a lot of losses. Even though people are spending, there's going to be a lot of losses with what we're seeing going on in the European Union and the Middle East. 
and China, there's going to be a dip in the market and it's going to hit us hard. And that's just a repercussion for resetting the way things work. So it's going to be a really tough one to hold on to when you have people screaming, well, I want free money. I don't want to have to work. I want to just stay at home. So it's very important for all of us to keep our eyes open for all these candidates that are coming in because they all have some great, like I said, I liked Yang's video, but see, that would have been a perfect one if it was 50 years later. And we were at the point where we still have useless people coming out of school. We still have useless young adults that have no skills. And the jobs are going down because AI and robots are taking over. And in his pictures, he showed self-driving cars. He showed, you know, automotive companies using robots to put things together rather than people. You know, these are real things that are going to happen, but they haven't happened yet. So it's very important we focus on our education. And this is why uh, restructuring our public education is very important because they've gotten very comfortable too. They've gotten comfortable with the way they teach. I mean, I'm thinking, do you know how many PhDs are out there? PhDs in mathematics, chemistry, biology, history that don't work at a university because there's only so many positions, right? That end up working as consultants or doing whatever. Why can't they teach our kids? Because I'll tell you what, when I was um, in school, I found it really, really hard to wrap my mind around certain things uh, in chemistry, in biochemistry. I didn't go to a TA. I didn't open up more books or pay for it. Well, I did, but they didn't work. What I did was I went to someone that was excited about what they were doing. I went to a PhD candidate in chemistry and asked them to explain it to me. And because they master the topic so well, they dumbed it down to the point that my four-year-old at that point could have learned it. Those are the type of people we should have molding the brains of our students, our young, you know, our, our children. They should be there because they're excited about what they like. That guy that went and got a PhD in history is a total history buff. And if he's excited about it, he can transfer that to students and make them excited about it. That nerd that created this special algorithm or, you know, broke this code or hack this is super excited about coding. That's the guy I want teaching my kids. That's the guy I want teaching our youth because that's the guy that's going to teach them to get excited about it too. Not everybody, but those people that are inclined to that would also get excited. And that's how you get people to know what they like. Right now in public schools, we have people that do three years of learning how to deal with children, teaching them how to teach, and then a year of whatever specialty. And most of them are just flipping through slides and, you know, notebooks and regurgitating. There's people that are like, you know, art majors that are teaching science. What? Because they have budget cuts. Or that's what they needed and they're not doing any art because that's been, you know, that's not being funded anymore. This is, we are killing our youth. And that is something that I believe during the 2020 campaign, Trump needs to focus on. He needs to 
talk to us and tell us how he's going to remedy these uh, future developments that are going to happen and how he can help our youth meet to that and be excited about what they're doing. Like one can say, well, there's private schools. and No, it's different. If I sat down and taught you about molecular biology, you would actually love it because I'm excited about it. You'd get excited about it. That's the way it works. We need people that, that know and grasp. Was it Einstein who said, if you can't explain it simply enough, you don't know it well enough. So how do I have a teacher who went to, you know, elementary education and took a year of math, training my kid to, to do math, not getting them excited about it, not getting them to see how fun it is to manipulate. Yeah, I'm a geek. I love that stuff. But this is where we need to focus on our youth because Yang's advertisement, you know, struck me. That's the problem right now. The problem is, is that we have people that don't want to work and we are bringing out young adults into the workforce that are useless, that go and spend $50,000 on a degree in French literature and do nothing with it. That's the problem. And what we need to focus on is that. We need to focus on our youth so that way we could create a functional society. How do you function as a society when you have, you know, what if in, in city XYZ there's 50,000 people that live there? 10,000 of them are plumbers, engineers, doctors, nurses, um, you know, PhDs, whatever. And then the other 40,000 are all like gender studies, feminist studies, you know, French literature. They all just got one a degree. Tell me that city. How is it going to function when the majority of them don't have skills to contribute to the city? They can't change oil. You know, they can't do things like that. That's the problem, that we need to focus on people that can actually do something for society. You know, and not saying just the job, because I have children. I have a daughter that's 18 and currently in college, and I'm like, all right, what do you want to do with your life? She's changed her major twice. She just joined the U.S. Army Reserves, and I'm like, what do you want to do with your life? She's like, I don't know. This is easy. That's easy. Math is easy for me. I don't know yet. And you know what my response to her was? I want you to do something that doesn't feel like work. Because if you do something that doesn't feel like work, that means you're happy and that means you'll function as a human in society better. You won't demand things. You won't feel entitled. You won't be mooching off of people. And you'll always be an asset because you know, command, and enjoy what you do. This is something we need to really focus on. I believe between now and 2020, if anything, if President Trump was to focus a great deal of attention to our youth and restructuring education. I don't care about these teachers unions or anything. I'm sorry. You know, I'm very firm on that and I get a lot of flack for it too, but they're not molding our children. They're giving them what the government says they should know to get a high school degree. They are not getting our children excited. They are not feeding them, you know, that curiosity or giving them that fire they need to find what they love to do. That's what we need to focus on for these elections. And I'm hoping that candidates like Yang, you know, or 
kind of shut down immediately, you know, with facts like, hey, you're 50 years early with that problem. Or, hey, I don't know how taxing companies that are using automated systems is going to help anyone. It's actually going to drive people back to school or have them actually use government programs that are already there to retrain them to go out into the workforce. Did you know we have Job Corps, right? That's where, like, people that are 18 and 24 didn't go to college and need a job, so they train them in, like, welding and plumbing, electricians, car mechanics, et cetera, right? Unfortunately, that program is only available to people that are super poor. If that was actually a school, like an alternative type of vocational path that someone could take in high school because they love remodeling cars or motorcycles, do you know how many helicopter engineers, how many uh, you know mechanics we'll have for airplanes, cars, tanks by the drones? And, and the thing is, no one's looking at that. No one cares. It shouldn't be expensive. Our, our youth, I agree, shouldn't have to pay for education, right? I agree. I feel that. But on the other hand, when you're at university, for graduate or PhD, you know, you're going to pay something because that professor is not going to just sit there and teach you without getting paid for it, right? But that's what we need to focus on. We need to focus on our youth. We need to focus on our future. And we need to make sure that the investments that we do from now until 2020 elections or our focus is on the correct path. And I know that Trump focused on the economy for the first half of his presidency. For the second half, he needs to focus on our youth and our education. And that will bring it home for 2020. Because right now, the Democrats are getting smart. They're playing on people's fears, just like Yang is, because he's an intelligent man. And we need to stop that in its tracks with production. So that's the only part, because the economy, he's already proved it. Taxes, he's proved it. Now with uh, the First Step Act, he's proved it. So now we got to get going with our youth, our young education, and building that workforce. Tomorrow... I'll be back at the same time, 5 p.m. Eastern. Have a great evening.